48K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Robert Kemp. The headlines. Liberal Party lawmaker Felix Chung says the government should issue bonds for its huge land town tomorrow housing plan. A mainland medical team who helped with the citywide COVID-19 testing scheme will leave Hong Kong today. And the inquest into the death of a university student who fell from a height as protests took place in Chen Quano last year will start next month. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung has suggested the government issue bonds to fund its Lantown Tomorrow housing plan as it doesn't have public money. The government has said fiscal reserves will be at $800 billion after handing out the latest round of coronavirus relief funds. The project is estimated at more than $600 billion. Mr Chung says, they, says government reserves have dropped from $1.1 trillion. The government just do not have sufficient money to support this plan anymore. So we would suggest the government to raise the funds from selling Pipenger so uh, to get some public money instead of having all the burdens from the government's pockets. Environmental group Greenpeace urged lawmakers not to approve a $500 million feasibility study for the plan when LegCo resumes next month. Caitlin is the group's senior campaigner. The legislator, they should vote against or disapprove this funding request because actually it is like giving a green light to the overall reclamation project, which is back to our Hong Kong marine ecology environment, as well as the public finance of this city. Even based on the most optimistic assumptions and the scenario, Hong Kong fiscal resource may be entering in a deep within 11 years. A public doctor says the low number of coronavirus cases discovered in the government's two-week testing scheme isn't reassuring as the global pandemic is worsening. The scheme found 32 new cases after testing almost 1.8 million people at a cost of $530 million. Dr Arasina Ma, the president of the Hong Kong Public Doctors Association, says future testing should use saliva samples which people can do themselves to reduce the cost of setting up collection centres with health staff to take throat swabs. Dr. Ma said people must remain vigilant. I don't feel that reassuring. First of all, we see that globally the pandemic seems to get worsened again, especially when it's approaching the winter time. Countries around actually getting more and more cases. So I think the fourth wave actually may come quite soon and maybe even worse than the third or the second wave. Of course, we gain some experience during this episode and this mass testing, but actually we don't know what the condition will be, especially in the winter time when it mixed with the flu outbreak. Dr. Ma also expressed concern about pubs and amusement parks being allowed to reopen from Friday and schools resuming face-to-face classes. A 600-strong team of mainland medical staff who helped with the citywide COVID-19 testing scheme will leave Hong Kong today after the scheme ended on Monday. The Health Secretary, Sophia Chan, and Anthony Wu, who heads one of the testing labs involved, presented thank you cards to the staff at their hotel and thanked the central government for its support. Groups of people were outside the hotel waving national flags. Schools have resumed limited face-to-face classes from today for the first time since the summer break. The Education Bureau is allowing schools to take a maximum of one-sixth of their students for half-day activities, ahead of a phased class resumption next week. Secondary School in Taiwan says it's arranged for Form 6 students to return for assessments and preparations for university entrance exams. 
It also asks Form 5 visual arts students to return for afternoon classes and Form 1 students will return later for orientation. One Form 6 student told RTHK she was nervous to be back, worried about her progress as she hadn't done any exam drills. Meanwhile, the primary school in Two Moon has cancelled plans to let six grade students return to campus for classes after a pupil was confirmed as having COVID-19. FDBWA Chow Chin Yao School says the 10-year-old was last back on campus on Friday and was believed to have been infected the following day. It says it has arranged for all of its teaching staff to take a coronavirus test and those who came into contact with the pupil will work from home. School is disinfecting its campus. It says it plans to go ahead with class resumption for students in primary one, five and six next week. An inquest into the death of a university student who fell from a height as protests took place in Changkwano last year will start on November the 16th. It's expected to last five weeks. University of Science and Technology student Chelsea Lock suffered a fourth. Chelsea Lock fell at the Schoentag car park as police clashed with protesters in the vicinity. He died four days later in hospital. It's understood that over 60 witnesses will testify. A virtual reality system will be introduced for the first time to help the jury understand the incident. His chief police inspector, Moxie Wai. As the case has already entered the court proceedings, I cannot disclose too many details. But I would like to highlight that the police has located a lot of witnesses. Over 70 witnesses, including the police, ambulance staff, and also other witnesses, to disclose the whole details of the offense. And also, we will locate a lot of CCTV footage capturing some details of this instance. And we would like to disclose it during the corona proceedings. Bookings to visit Ocean Park on Friday and the weekend are already full after it announced it would reopen from Friday. The government has ordered theme parks to operate at half their capacity to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. Ocean Park says it won't admit anyone who hasn't first registered online. Social distancing measures will be introduced on rides. Uh, the theme park is fighting for survival, after receiving a $5.4 billion injection from the government. Chief Secretary Matthew Cheung has defended the national security law imposed on Hong Kong, saying it has been effective in restoring stability. In a video message to the United Nations Human Rights Council, he called on the international community not to adopt all standards. Wendy Wong reports. Matthew Chung told the council the law was enacted to address the increasing threat to national security in Hong Kong posed by escalating violence from rioters during last year's social unrest. He said the law was vital in bringing Hong Kong back on track and safeguarding China's sovereignty, security and development interests. He noted that advocating Hong Kong independence and colluding with external forces has subsided as an act of violence. He said this showed the law had been effective. He pointed out that most other countries had national security laws. He described it as unthinkable that Hong Kong's own law should be a cause of concern. Despite being delayed because of the coronavirus pandemic, the World Green Organization is hoping to host a series of recycling roadshows next month. The Green Group says it collected more than 300,000 plastic bottles at similar events last year. Its chief executive, William Yu, says it's a milestone that Hong Kong will have its own plastics recycling facility by the end of the year, which can process PET beverage bottles as well as HDP cleaning and shampoo bottles. Now Hong Kong will enter into another phase because we have the facilities, namely the new live plastic facilities, also established by the recycling partners that will come out by the end of this year. 
So hopefully for this facility, we can help to further convert, you know, all this collected plastic into useful recycled material. Washington has blacklisted a Chinese-backed developer building a large resort on the coast of Cambodia on land it says was seized from local people. The Darasakor complex includes a port and airport that the U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo said could hold military, military assets. Cambodian government has repeatedly denied it would ever allow another country to use the facilities for military purposes. United Arab Emirates and Bahrain have signed diplomatic agreements with Israel at the White House at a ceremony overseen by President Trump. Mr Trump described it as an incredible day. Today the world sees that they're choosing cooperation over conflict, friendship over enmity, prosperity over poverty and hope over despair. They are choosing a future in which Arabs and Israelis, Muslims, Jews and Christians can live together, pray together and dream together, side by side in harmony, community and peace. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu described it as a new momentum for peace. The blessings of the peace we make today will be enormous. First, because this peace will eventually expand to include other Arab states, and ultimately it can end the Arab-Israeli conflict once and for all. The UAE Foreign Minister Sheikh Abdullah bin Zayed thanked Mr Netanyahu for holding his plan to annex Palestinian territory in the West Bank. His Bahraini counterpart, Abdul Atif al-Zayani, expressed optimism for the deal. For too long, the Middle East has been set back by conflict and mistrust, causing untold destruction and thwarting the potential of generations of our best and brightest young people. Now, I'm convinced we have the opportunity to change that. Palestinians have condemned the deals as a betrayal. The accords are a significant foreign policy victory for President Trump, whose detractors had scoffed at his attempts to be a peacemaker for the region. The mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, says the city will pay 12 million US dollars to the family of a black woman killed by police six months ago. Brianna Taylor was shot eight times when officers burst into her home during a drugs investigation. Mayor Greg Fisher apologized to her mother, Tamika Palmer, for Brianna's death. I cannot begin to imagine Ms. Palmer's pain, and I'm deeply, deeply sorry for Brianna's death. While we await a decision on whether or not charges will be filed in this case, my administration is not waiting to move ahead with needed reforms to prevent a tragedy like this from ever happening again. U.S. trade officials have dropped plans for a 10% levy on Canadian aluminium just hours before Canada was due to retaliate with tariffs on American imports. Washington had been prepared to raise duties after a surge in aluminium imports earlier this year. But it now forecasts that these are returning to normal levels. Canada's finance minister, Christia Freeland, welcomed what she said was a return to common sense. short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 24,673. That's 59 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $54 billion. Currencies, US dollars trading at 105.25 yen. The euro stands at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. And the pound is worth 10 Hong Kong dollars. Sport now, and here's Adam Chern.
We start with golf. Just over 24 hours remain for players to sign up for the special open day at the Hong Kong Golf Club. The event in Fanling on October 1st is both a celebration and a fundraiser, with all proceeds going to Operation Santa Claus. Ian Gartner is general manager at the Hong Kong Golf Club. He says the Open Day is one of many charity initiatives aimed at giving the public more access to the sport. I realize, and I think、uh, all of our committee members and members appreciate this too.、Uh, you know, the great benefit that we can、uh, provide to the golfing public,、uh, and we've got a lot of programs and initiatives in place where we seek to outreach、uh, to our local community and throughout Hong Kong to help in the development of the game of golf, but also to provide access to this sport for people who might otherwise、uh, not. Um, have realised it. So there's huge、um, <clears throat> potential, and we aim to continue working on these initiatives for for many years to come. In football news, the Arsenal captain Pierre Emery Aubameyang has committed his future to the London club by signing a three-year contract extension. The striker's current deal was due to expire at the end of the season, and the Gunners risked losing him for free. More from the BBC's John Bennett. He's massive for the club on and off the pitch. On the pitch, truly world-class forward. I don't use that lightly as well. He's got an incredible goal-scoring record in the Premier League for Arsenal: 55 goals in 86 games. The young players really look up to him. He's very popular in the dressing room. I've interviewed him a few times. He's a very positive person. Arsenal's best player, committing his future to the club. Now to the NBA, where the never say die Denver Nuggets have won their second consecutive playoff series after coming back from three one down. The Nuggets ousted the LA Clippers with a convincing one hundred four eighty nine victory, their sixth win in this year's playoffs when facing elimination. Jamal Murray led Denver with forty points. Nikola Jokic dominated the paint with his fifth career playoff triple double. The Joker grabbed twenty-two rebounds along with sixteen points and thirteen assists. The LA Lakers are next. Meanwhile, Miami's Game One overtime victory over Boston in the Eastern Conference Final featured one of the best defensive plays of the season. Boston's Jason Tatum thought he had a dunk to tie the game with five seconds remaining, but was stuffed at the rim by the left hand of Bam Adebayo. It finished 117-114 for Miami. Jimmy Butler had 20 points, including a late three-point play to give Miami the lead, which they protected thanks to the block. And as you look at sports. And to end the news, our top story once again. Liberal Party lawmaker Felix Chung says the government should issue bonds for its huge Lantau tomorrow housing plan. And that's the news from RTHK.
time, baby girl, don't stop. I know you really like it when you're on top. Don't be shy, just give it up. Come on, girl, you're so beautiful. Tonight anything is possible. But you know I just can't get enough of your love. So give it up. Uh oh, got my eyes on you. Won't you bring that back to me? And welcome to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, on this Wednesday afternoon. Wednesday, the 16th of uh, September is today's date. I was going to say August. But it's September. Yes, it is. The 16th of September is today's date. Many thanks to Phil for the morning brew today. We do have a quite a busy show for you and a bit of interaction today. We'll be answering some of your career issues uh, with certified executive coach Shirley Adrain uh, this Wednesday afternoon. Shirley is the founder and the CEO of Career of the Career Catalyst Group. And uh, we hope to bring you this interview onto the Facebook page as well, on the Facebook Live. Noreen Mayer on RTHK Radio 3 is the page to go to. So feel free to drop us any questions you have about your career and uh, how to excel uh, in your field. And perhaps Shirley can enlighten us uh, by answering some of your questions. And after 2.30, uh, Cruzy McCalligan will be joining us. And this week, Cruz will be talking about what lies beneath uh, underwear, to be specific. We'll be talking talking about the history of uh, knickers, boxes, bras, underwear, and more. So feel free to join us there uh, as well, and we'll be bringing you that uh, also on Facebook, Noreen Mir on RTHK Radio 3. You can join the conversation there um, as usual. You can also email us as well. Our email is 123show at rthk.hk. <laughs> And some more great music coming your way this Wednesday afternoon. This is Snow Patrol and the Saturday Songwriters with On The Edge. In this distance no more 